let me ask a question, and we're going to see how this uh, is different from first service. Are any of you alarm-type people? And by alarm-type people, I mean this, that when you set an alarm and it goes off, you wake up right when it goes off and are ready to get the day going. Like you, when, when that alarm buzzes, your feet are on the ground and you're ready to go. We got, see the first service had much, a lot more. The, let me take it a little step farther. Is anybody an alarm type person that you are actually, you'll set your alarm, but you're up before your alarm even goes. You people are crazy, out of your mind. You know, first service, they came up to me and they said, you forgot a category. I don't even set an alarm because I will just wake up. That's a foreign species to me. Um, here's the other category. This is where I'm going to fall. Any of you snooze type of people? You love the snooze button? How many of you love the snooze button so much you'll hit it not just once, twice, maybe th three times? Does anybody want to admit they set their alarm an hour early? just so you can hit the snooze button. My people, you are my people. I, my wife hates it. Uh, she, is, she is a once the alarm goes off, up, she's ready to go. I, especially on Sunday mornings, I'm up pretty early in the a.m. And so uh, I love to hit the snooze. I mean, love it. Just, nope, I don't have to get up yet. Snooze. Five more minutes, snooze. But here's the problem. You know on the old clocks, or maybe you still have a bedside clock and they had the big long snooze bar? Now I just use my phone. Um, and the problem I've run into is that to change, like to, my alarm goes off, to make it go to snooze or just turn it off is very similar. And so sometimes I've accidentally just turned my alarm off. This is bad because not only am I a snooze person, I can sleep all day. I have no clock that's going to go off and like, eh, it's middle afternoon now, you should wake up. I would just keep sleeping. And so that's gotten me in a little bit of trouble to the point now I just set multiple alarms. And so I'll set an alarm for like, if I got to get up at 5, you know, 5, 505, 517, And I'll just keep setting, because I really don't care about consistency. Um, and so I'll just randomly set them for a whole bunch of them. But then I'll also hit the snooze when they go off. So then I have the snooze alarms re-going off and then my other alarms going off. It's the best way to wake up. <laughs> it's just a constant blaring out of my phone and me saying, you know, quiet, quiet. And I think for you people that like the snooze, uh, for me the reason I like it is because I can put what I need to do on pause. Um, you know, the boys are getting up, I need to feed them breakfast, I need to change them, I need to get their clothes ready for school and pack lunches, I gotta take the dog out to go to the bathroom, I need to feed the dog, then I need to do something with myself. You know, this just doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> and so, you know, I need to shave or my head, of course. Uh, you know, an iron and when the alarm goes off, I know all that's coming, and that snooze means I'm just going to put it on pause for five minutes, and I'll just stay in my bed and pretend like none of that is going to happen. And I'll do that several times. I think that's okay. Uh, I might have a problem when, you know, a dozen times I do that. Um, but it's not bad to want to stay in bed, you know, and be comfortable. Uh, but you might know where I'm going to go with this and turn this. 
The problem is um, sometimes we do this in our lives. Um, sometimes we do this uh, with situations that we have, with uh, family members that we need to have a talk with, uh, of a problem that has arise that needs our attention. And instead of dealing with it, instead of being present, uh, man, I just want to hit this news. I want to disengage. I want to pull back. I, I don't want to be present in this issue, uh, whether it's because there's a problem or it's just because I'm not comfortable doing it right now. Um, I see sometimes I do that in my own life, uh, that I just want to put it on hold. But the problem is, and I don't, for you guys that maybe have had kids, uh, you know this, my kids get up and I can keep hitting the snooze, but it doesn't change the fact that they're up destroying the house downstairs, right? And I can pretend it's not a problem and I can keep sleeping, but the reality is, like every time I hit that snooze, I know that's one more pile of toys. That's one more, you know, Prescott's five. He thinks he can pour a glass of milk now, um, you know. And so I have to deal with it. And it just gets worse and worse the longer I put it off. Our final uh, Wonder Life life mark that we're doing is number four. Um, and if you want to put that up, it's I am fully present in my life. I am fully present in my life, fully engaged. I'm invested uh, in the moment, in the here and the now. Um, and so as I got this and having to start think about it, I'm going, boy, there's a lot of areas I'm not present in. There's a lot of areas I would rather avoid or hit the snooze button on. I'd rather kind of stay sleeping on them because I don't want to deal with them. Um, but... The problem comes in when, as we've talked about, the other three life marks, you know, if, if you get to the point where, okay, my story matters. Okay, I believe my story matters. I'm not ashamed about what I love and I care about. Okay, that's great. Um, I'm honest about these opportunities and obstacles that I have in my life. But if you're not present then, all of that's for naught. Um, it's kind of the final piece. It's... it's the roofing, it's the, it's, it was really more the cornerstone. You got to be present in those situations. I can't be disengaged. I can't just go, that problem's going to fix itself. Because we all know, because you've all had those situations, it doesn't fix itself. In Ephesians, um, Paul, uh, an apostle that wrote a lot of the New Testament, uh, was writing letters to churches. Uh, churches probably a lot like ours, of, you know, different people coming together. Uh, and in Ephesians, he goes over a couple of um, kind of ways to live, uh, ways as a Christian and what you should be doing. And he starts talking about the difference between kind of what you did back then and who you are now. And he makes the analogy between dark and light, uh, kind of sleeping and waking up. Um, and I kind of thought it fit in what we're talking about today. So if you can put uh, those verses up in Ephesians. He says this. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
Wake up. Be present. Make the most of op every opportunity. Be wise. The, I, you know what's funny? As we're, I was talking to somebody about the election, and I won't get into it. Um, but for most of you, at least what's on Facebook, um, like a lot of you feel like these are terrible days. Um, and this is what Paul says. He goes, you need to make the most of every opportunity right now because you might be in terrible days. And you need to live wise and not foolish. Wake up. And so in that, we're going to look um, over kind of four ways uh, that sometimes we aren't present. Uh, and the hope is that maybe you would identify with some of these and it would make you a little more self-aware going forward of going oh that's me that's how I do that I need I need to get better in that area but to start uh, I wanted to show you a clip um, from a classic show uh, this this is from a Seinfeld episode uh, called Little Kicks and Tim uh, edited down once again the version uh, that I wanted uh, and so I want you to watch this and then we're going to talk about it here in a minute all right, who's dancing? Come on, who's dancing? You want me to, you want me to get it started? I'll get yes. it started. Yeah. Hey, that was a party. Food was good. Yeah, so I didn't miss anything? Well, actually, you did miss one little nugget of entertainment. <laughs> Have you ever seen Elaine dance? Elaine dance? It's more like a full body dry heave set the music. Did she do the little kicks and the thumbs? What, you mean you know about this? For some time. It was about five years ago. <laughs> I never knew what to say to her about it. It was one of those problems I hope would just go away. Well, sometimes you can't help these people till they hit rock bottom. And by then, you've lost interest. Well, I have lost complete control of my staff. Why did I let George go to that party? I mean, we were having so much fun. I mean, we were whining, we were dining, we were dancing. <laughs> what? It's dancing. No, that ain't dancing, Sally. It's fine. You stink. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Jerry? Jerry? I'm a good dancer, right? I forgot to make my bed. Jerry? Do I stink? All right, you're beyond stink. 
But I really enjoy dancing. And that's not helping either. It's that bad? Have you ever seen yourself? Uh, uh, please, please. Not in my home. Truth in a Seinfeld clip. We'll do anything to avoid a tough conversation, um, to not feel uncomfortable, right? Like, Jerry knows, like, there's issues, right? And did you catch what he said? I hope it was just going to go away. Right? We know that doesn't work. But, and then even when Kramer says, no, you stink, and then she confronts him, he still wants to avoid the issue, avoid the problem, right? I, I got to go make my bed. Um, have you ever been in a situation that you just did not want to be in, that you didn't want to be present in, uh, something that you didn't want to have to say or do? Um, this is what we're going to talk about today. So, um, in the Wonder Life book, uh, which is where we're pulling some of this material out of, um, they talk about uh, two big areas uh, or two kind of ideas of people um, that, that keep us disengaged, that keep us from being present. Uh, and one is hyper past and the other one is hyper future. One is hyper past and one is hyper future. So we're going to look at hyper past first. Um, Hyperpast. The first kind of characteristic of someone that's hyperpast, one, one type of person, is what they called a victim. Um, the victim um, are, are focused on blaming the world and, and their past issues for all of their current pain. Um, they live looking back at everything that was done to me. Uh, and can't get beyond it. Now, I'm going to say several times, I'm going to give you caveats in that it's not bad. I'm not disqualifying anybody's pain. I'm not saying that you don't have real problems or issues in your past, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying, though, is that sometimes the past issue, the past pain um, is so overwhelming that we never... Get past it. And because we never get past it, it affects how we live in the today. It affects the present. In fact, we're always kind of shadowed by it. So much so that we start to disengage from the here and the now because I'm constantly talking and thinking about these past issues. Do you ever do this? Do you know people like this? I think for a lot of these, I, I see, you know, parts of this in myself. Um, that there's things in my past that if I haven't dealt with them, if I don't deal with them, if I don't confront them, they constantly then come up in the here and the now. And they cause me to not be present because I'm constantly dealing with my past issues. Paul, who we talked about earlier, um, also wrote in Philippians. And in there, um, you know, Paul's an interesting guy, if you know anything about him. Um, he is at one point uh, this very religious, highly respectable, uh, trained uh, Jewish leader. Um, and then he starts persecuting Christians and 
basically having him killed. And he has this dramatic encounter uh, with Jesus. And in it, he's transformed and changed. And so then in Philippians, he starts talking about some of this past uh, that he had. And he says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, he says this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my, my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul could have easily went, like, you know, I can't do what you're calling me to do, God, because of past issues in my life, past pains, past things that I did wrong, uh, whether somebody did them to you or you, you did them to yourself. And if we aren't careful, you can get stuck there. And it can cause you then to miss the great here and now. What's going on, the joy of the here and now. Uh, what God is calling you here and now to do. Never get caught in that victim mentality. My favorite line from one of my teachers uh, when we would come up with an excuse or, or, uh, or say why we didn't do something, he would always go, always the victim, never the cause. And that's always kind of resonated with me uh, as sometimes when I pull that victim card out uh, and I haven't owned maybe my share of the cause. Uh, and thus, I really have never gotten over it because I keep playing the victim card, uh, which keeps me from fully embracing what God has for me here and now. The victim. The next in the hyper past is the romantic. This is the person that is stuck in the good old days. And long for times when life was easier. That's easy to get stuck in. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have some good memories growing up. I have good memories of my childhood. Uh, I have good memories uh, of growing up with my family and thinking about those days. Um, and so once again, maybe you have those same memories. Maybe you don't have a bunch of pain um, and the victim, but you have romanticized your past. Do you ever tell a story and over time it kind of becomes exaggerated a little bit more and a little bit more? I have a habit of doing that um, and also romanticizing it. So I'll tell stories about our family vacation and they'll get bigger and grander and, and more awesome. And then somebody that was actually on one of those vacations will be like, no, that vacation was terrible. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you're remembering it completely false. Um, and in doing so, you know, like, I'll go, in the here and now vacation, I'll be like, oh, it was okay, it's not as great as this one. I'm missing what's so awesome about this right here because I'm constantly thinking about how great it was back then. A classic example of this is the Israelites. If you remember, the Israelites are in Egypt, right? They are slaves, for hundreds of years, they are being beaten, whipped, killed, right? All of these things. Moses comes, he sets the people free, right? Takes them out of bondage, takes them out of slavery, leads them to the promised land with a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And he takes them, and as they're going, they hit a couple of snags. They hit a couple of bumps, and all of a sudden, they start romanticizing how great 
Egypt was. They start literally talking about how awesome it was. Why did we leave? Do you remember we used to sit around with pots of meat? They were slaves being killed in bondage, and yet now they're free, and I am, because I'm having some issues in the here and now that I don't want to deal with, I'll just start saying, oh, look how great back then was. Once again, I am not saying that we should not remember the past and especially the good things that God has done, right? Because we read all through Scripture about where they set up uh, stones to remember this day, right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if we get lost in, oh, it was so much better back in those days, we miss the good that is supposed to be for today. Do you ever do this? I probably... Uh, do that one a lot. Um, but it keeps me from being present in right here and right now. Those were the two for hyper past. Um, oh, let me read you one scripture on, on the romantic before we go on. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you not perceive it? Am I not making a way in the wilderness? Is God doing a new thing in your life today that you're missing because you're constantly looking back at the past? This is, I, I don't know, this is true for me. I think it's probably true for a lot of us. God has stuff right now, right here for us to do, to embrace. And if we get caught up in the pain or even the, the romantic notions of our past, we're going to miss what he has for us. All right. That was our hyper past. Let's go to hyper future. Uh, there's two under that. The first one is the planner. This might be some of you. The planner misses out on today because their main focus is on building their giant nest egg. You work so hard on trying to achieve the plan that you miss out on everything that's in the in-between. And to be honest, most of life is in the in-between. Once again, I am not saying plans. Goals are not a good thing. They are great. You should have plans. You should have goals. But you should also look at how those plans and those goals are affecting you today. Are they helping you? Are they encouraging you to move forward, to step forward? Or are they just kind of looming over you? Like, if I don't get to this plan, I'm going to be a failure. For you planners, do you plan a 5, a 10, a 15, a 20-year plan? What happens if you don't hit it? What happens if you miss it? You have a plan for your career. You have a plan for your spouse. You have a plan for your kids. What happens when those plans don't go accordingly? Are you okay? Think about this. If all I ever do is look forward to this goal, this achievement one day, like this one day this is going to happen, 
I'm going to miss all of the things leading up to it. And all of the things leading up to it are really important. One of the best advice, advices that I ever got, I got a lot of advice when I had my first son. Um, and now I give a lot of advice to parents. After all of five years of experience, um, I know it all. But the best advice I was given by someone, uh, they said, enjoy the stage of life your children are in while they're in it. Enjoy the stage of life that they're in while you're in it because you won't get it back. And I've started to see that come true. Uh, that while some of the pain of a five-year-old and a two-year-old um, and all the mess that they make, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of hope and promise. And if I just constantly look forward to getting a little bit older and that next step, I miss out on all of the great goodness that is right here and right now before me. Plans are great. Goals are great, but they should not loom over you and dominate you. They should help guide and direct you. In James, um, it says this. I, I, lo I, I love this verse. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there or trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. We make these great plans and goals for ourselves. And then it's just all about the achievement of the goal. Instead of maybe looking at, like, what's God want me to do now? Something I constantly tell teens, like God's got stuff for you now. Tomorrow is not promised, right? You can have a 10-year plan. You might not get to 10 years. I, that's just the reality. And it's once again, it's not that you don't have them, but you've got to keep it in perspective. Are you enjoying right here, right now? I'm being present. Enjoying what I have right now. That's the planner. The last one in that is the afterlifer. This is the super religious people who have no interest in the world and they only wait around for heaven. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? I really don't believe that. Because if you really were so heavenly minded like, God is all about right here and right now, about being with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And so I, that's kind of bogus saying to me. But I do believe, and I've caught myself sometimes just going, all right, it will get better one day. It will be fine. Heaven's coming. There's no pain. There's no tears. There's no sorrow, right? And I just kind of, I won't deal with this because I know it will be fine one day. And we can even hold that up as this lofty idea. Well, I don't bother with these simpletons, right? I'm going to be in heaven soon. But God calls us to be present in the here and now, right? Do you know when we say you have eternal life, we believe that life starts right now upon salvation. We don't believe that eternal life is after 
you die, it is eternal. It started right now. Eternal life starts right now. Yes, in heaven it's going to be different. But it does start now. A common question I get, especially from junior hires, is like, if God knows everything, then why doesn't he just take the people that are going to heaven, put them in heaven, the people that are going to hell, put them there too. Just done. And I could give them some big, long theological explanation of why this is and why this isn't. Um, but the short end of the matter is he isn't doing that. He hasn't done that. Which then the logical conclusion would mean that something about this life right now matters. Something about this life matters. It has weight to it. It's, it's not pointless. There's a reason we're present at this time. In Matthew 4.17, uh, Jesus says... From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I love that phrase. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming. It's not how it's totally going to be, but it's starting now. And you have an opportunity, right? Your kingdom come to be a part of that, right here and right now. But it takes being present with your issues. It takes being present with your families, uh, at your jobs, not being disconnected, not pulling back. Maybe some of you resonated with those uh, kind of four examples. As I was writing, I'm going, oh, I'm not that. I, I see myself a little in there. I'm not that one, though. You know, I kind of see myself a little in all of those, but I'm none of those holy. And so I'm going, what is it? What is it that keeps me, Steve Fisher, uh, from being fully present in my life? So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to think of what it is. And the word that I got back was fear. It's fear. It's fear that I'm going to be a failure. It's fear that I'm not good enough. It's fear that I'm going to screw it up. That I don't know what I'm doing. It's fear. It's fear that holds me and so I won't do anything. Because I'm so afraid that I'm going to mess it up somehow. Maybe some of you resonate with that, and you have some fear. When um, I first took the job here, I tell this story a lot because it's kind of a, a God moment for me. Um, the last guy that had this job was loved, um, and the last night he was here, he was leaving, and I was taking over, and so it was my first night kind of as, you know, the guy, um, and I do youth group that night, and then I walk up, it was... Thursday night, like 9 o'clock, I walk up into the office, kind of shut everything down, and I'm sitting there. And I can remember being so overwhelmed. And I'm sitting there going, what the heck did you just do? Like, you just accepted a job as a pastor at a church? Like, you are not qualified to do that. And the fear just started to build from there, right? And it, it, it's, you're not going to be good enough. You don't know what you're doing. Um, what if you mess up some of these kids? Like, and so I'm sitting there going, I'm like, how do I get out of this now? Like, I just accepted this job. I spent, 
years at school training for this, and his fear was kind of overwhelming me. And I don't often do this, and I don't even really recommend doing this, where you do one of those, all right, God, I really need a word. And you grab the Bible and flip it open and uh, jab the finger down. Most of the time, you're going to land in Psalms, just so you know, because uh, it's in the center. Um, and so I landed in Psalms, because I was like, I was a mess. And I'm like, God, I need something. Um, I landed in Psalms 34.4. And said, I called on the Lord and he delivered me from all of my fears. It has been a verse that I have written on countless pieces of paper, stuck up in my office, um, slid it into books and the Bibles, underline it on all my Bibles. Um, and that night it was something that God said, you know, like, you don't have to have fear. Like, I'm going to deliver you from that. You know, do not fear, do not be afraid. You can find that over 300 times throughout all of Scripture. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Because fear is paralyzing. Fear can keep you from doing everything that God wants because I'm just not going to be good enough. But God breaks that. He said, no, you are good enough. Right? You can do this. We just sang it. Right? I'm weak, but your spirit is strong in me. That's truth to hold on to. Being present is tough, though. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, it's most of the time I would rather sit and watch a football game. Um, I would rather get on Facebook and pretend to be present in somebody else's life. Uh, right? I'd rather do anything than have to deal with issues and problems. But those issues and problems aren't going away. You have to deal with them. You have to be present. There's great joy right now that's waiting for you if you would be present in the moment. But constantly, if you're like me, I'm distracted. And I miss it. The band's going to come up, and I want to close by sharing you a couple of pictures that I have. I left for college uh, 13, 14 years ago. I have two older brothers, but three younger sisters. Uh, and when I left, I had just recently, I found this picture, Maggie, if you want to put that up, uh, of my sisters when I left. If they knew I was putting up pictures like this, they'd be really mad. Uh, but Krista, Charlotte, and Amber. Um, and that was them when I left. Um, this is how I remember them. Um, because that's when I kind of I went to school for four years, and now I've been out here for ten. Um, this is kind of where they've been frozen in time in my mind. Uh, they're my little sisters. Uh, Krista's five years younger than me, Amber ten, and Charlotte thirteen. And so this is how I remember them. To this, right now, when I talk about my sisters, I talk about them like they're little girls. Um, but they're not little girls. Because the truth is that even if I'm absent, you're absent from life, life keeps going on. Right? It's like if you've ever been driving and you start to drift off. Not that I've ever done that. But if you do that, guess what? Your car's going to keep going. Right? Just because you aren't present driving it or aware, it's going to keep going. The same goes on for your life, your marriage, your kids, your job. Right? 
It's going to keep going. You, you have to be present. Here's my sister's now. That was at a wedding just like last month. They got all of the good-looking jeans. I don't know what happened. Um, but my, my little sisters, and that's the exact order they were standing, my little sisters aren't little anymore. Like, they're women. Do you get the point? Do you feel the weight of that? Like, you have to be present in the moment. Because if not, like, time flies. Right? The stuff that God's, God has planned for you right now might not be for five years from now. It's for now. Life mark number four. Being present in your life. Would you, Ray, would you stand up? Uh, and we're going to sing.